Welcome to Healing America with Dr. Jim White. Jim has been investing, coaching executives, and turning around companies for over 30 years. Now your host, Dr. Jim White. Good evening and welcome to Healing America. This is Jim White. It is the 17th day of November, and uh, we have a re returning guest with us this evening. You may remember, I think it was session two that we did in Healing America when we uh, launched uh, our book, Broken America. Uh, we had Professor Robert Shapiro with us at that time, and uh, we had a great discussion. And I asked if he would come back after the election so we could... Uh, talk about uh, some of the re re results, and we sure, certainly have a lot to talk about. So in way of, of, of introductions, let me just give you all the wonderful stuff that the uh, professor has done over the years. Uh, he is former chairman, uh, chair of the Department of Political Science at Columbia University, and he also served, he also served as the acting director of the Columbia's Institute for Social and Economic Research and Policy during another traumatic, tremendous, crazy time, 28, 2008 and 2009. He's also a fellow of the American Association for Advancement of Science, and he specializes, and what a great, great, great day to be back, specializes in American politics and research and teaching interest in public opinion, policymaking, political leadership, the mass media, and the application of statistical methods. He has a taught at Columbia since 1982, after receiving his degree and serving as a study director at the National Opinion Research Center in, in Chicago. He has authored many books and co-authored uh, authored and co-authored many books and numerous uh, major academic journals. Professor, welcome back, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me back again. I tell you what, I, I, I couldn't wait. I kept, I had it on my calendar since uh, since we did the launch on September the 9th and uh, leading up to this uh, this election. And uh, I've got notes on every piece of pad that I can, I can find that I wanted to be able to uh, remember uh, to uh, ask you about. And uh, so if I do all of that, uh, we need a we need a show probably of about uh, two weeks, and uh, <laughs> we could probably get into it. But it's it's just pick up. I I don't know. I I just got some breaking news here. This old thing here, and I just I'm just thought I'd just start off there. You probably saw it if you if you haven't. It was in Michigan where the uh, uh, they failed to certify the election in the Detroit area. I just breaking news here. You ever heard you you ever experienced that in your your lifetime? I've I've never experienced that in my lifetime. And yeah. we'll have to see what happens. I think it goes to the state board next, so we'll have to see. It it goes to the state state board, and we'll have to we'll we'll we will we will have to see. You know what I'd like to do? Uh, we can. Th th there's so much to talk about this this post election and. Uh, uh, so last time uh, we were together, uh, we, were, we were talking about uh, Broken America and we left off on talking about uh, leadership and agency and public opinion and uh, all of those things. It's pick up where we left off a little bit. Uh, you started, and I think about the time you started discussing that, we ran out of time. So 
it's, it's, it's pick up there and, uh, and just re refresh. Uh, so leadership. Agency. Okay, well, just, well just, just, just to recap, what I, what I, one thing I had praised, praised your book for was, was, your, was your emphasis in the book on what I called agency. That is the ability of leaders to take the initiative and also on the part of the, uh, the public, the citizen, citizenry, to kind of attempt to take leadership in trying to get this country out of its uh, just dire straits of par partisan conflict. Now, the other thing that's happened in the meantime, um, I, th I thought part of the conflict could not get worse, but it obviously has in the context of this contested um, election. Uh, on the other hand, you know, the, the incoming president, assuming he's, he is the incoming president, um, has taken a position that he he's going to give it the old Biden try to try to unite the country the way you know, Obama had said he, he would try to, and and you know George W. Bush had, had said he would try to as well. To uh, apparently no no success. Uh, what he what what what's different now though is that he's you know he's take he's be taking office in the context of a national crisis, two crises, right. healthcare crisis, the pandemic, and also an economic crisis. And if, if that's if there's a if there's a way to get out of this morass, a crisis provides the opportunity because it's got it's it's got to be something that, to deal with uh, in the context of a unified nation, both on a, the part of its leaders and the public. And you know we haven't done this yet, but this is just another another opportunity to do to do that, especially in the context of things getting worse at the moment before they're going to get better. Mm -hmm. Worse not only from uh, the uh, transfer power, possibly, uh, from, from that perspective, and the pandemic and the economic uh, uh, results as a result of the pandemic. Uh, got a perfect storm in the making. Yeah, it's a, it's a trifecta. Yeah, it, 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 it certainly is. You have spent many years in politics and looking at the media. Um, what, 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 I'm trying to figure out, <laughs> so I got notes all over, how to even ask the question. And, uh, but I'm 72 and I've never seen anything like this in, in a election. Uh, we all go through life and we win some, we lose some, and we try to be a, a good sport about it. And especially when it comes to our democracy. And uh, uh, my, my concern is not, only with the President Trump, but my bigger concern is with the Republican leadership. And why in the world are they remaining so silent? What's your thoughts? It, it really, it really is, it really is extraordinary. But I, 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 yeah. I thought that the common wisdom is their silence has to do with their concern for maintaining the support of the base of the party, which for now is is the Trump party. But what this election reinforced is how it really is uh, the Trump party. Because what happened since the 2018 election was that the, the party actually expanded its base in a significant way. So it's no accident that Trump has received the second highest number of votes of any uh, president running uh, presidential candidate, Biden obviously being, you know, being, being the first. Mm -hmm. And Democrats, mobilize their base as well, but their, their mobilization of the base that they that they began to mobilize in 2018 was just enough to offset what the Republicans did. And so they get they get they, they can claim full credit for mobilizing their base of minority voters, women voters, young young voters, and so forth. But that was needed just just to basically 
um, break even with Trump. And they, they barely won the, ele they won the election by 5 million votes nationally and won enough states. But they, they did so by just accumulating the additional number of votes they needed, taking away some of the, some of the support that Trump had in 2016 to basically you know, win the election. Uh, handily, but in a, in a way that's, you know, that that I, I don't think is a guarantee for the party going forward, and especially given the fact that the Republicans held on to the Senate and also made inroads on the House of Representatives. Both parties now are very evenly matched and competitive, um, which makes for a very um, emotional, you know, ridden election, a contested election, not only now, but probably going forward as well. Mm. Pandemic. We're seeing the we're 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 seeing the numbers uh, spike, and uh, I often hate to quote these numbers, but over 250 million and counting Americans have uh, died as a result, and uh, we have uh, uh, in in action, in my opinion, uh, from the White House, uh, and I, I I don't get how you can be in that office and not have some uh some i'm gonna say heart or i mean human human that this is real and yet yet the president refuses to even address it in a positive way uh short of me asking a question how do you think donald trump and we can't get inside of his head we know that but I don't understand it. Uh, can, can you speak to, in, in your opinion, what is this man all about? What's he, what's he doing? What, well, what do you think he's uh, throwing all these landmines out there? Well, what he's shown is that he, he, he's, he's not willing to admit when he's wrong and to learn from experiences. And he's, he's basically fallen back on what he can call a strategy, but he, has, he hasn't stated it as such. But his strategy is, is basically a strategy of uh, obtaining herd immunity by letting the virus run its course right. and, and then allow for a vaccine to be brought in. That seems to be the uns, unspoken strategy here. And Dr. Atlas, who's his main advisor, has been a big proponent of that. And he, he is just letting you know, letting it, you know, letting it run it run its course. Um, I, I would I would think that the Republicans in the in, in the Senate, at the drop of a hat, would you know would support further government a action, unified government action, if he said he was willing to do so. And he because I think he's got that level of control of the party at least at least at least at least for the moment, especially given the fact that the election showed that he he had that degree of control of the party. Mm-hmm. 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 What do you think about his inquiry as reported in the media? I'll qualify that about can I pardon myself? Well, that 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 that's that's it. That, that's an that that's an issue. I mean, there, there are ways of him trying to pardon himself or even stepping aside for the moment under the Twenty Fifth Amendment, letting Pence come in and and pardon and pardon him. I think I, I think I think at this point all of this is sort of out in the open and pretty you know trans transparent. If he does pardon himself, it does it does suggest he has some concerns about things he needs to be pardoned, pardoned for. Yeah, that's that's my my take. When he even has that conversation and knows it's going to get out there, it's suggesting that I'm concerned about something and uh and and he, and he probably should be to a certain degree, especially in the state of New York from the Southern District and the investigation there. Um 
which is, we know no pardon will help him there. If that, that is the, if that should become an issue for him. In regards to President Trump's legacy and where he got 72 million votes, that's still just, I, I still can't get my head wrapped around that. And in my opinion, he's the worst president in history, in my opinion, even though his, some of his policies I concur with, uh, but for as the man himself, I, I, I just think he's horrible uh, representing uh, especially Americans. And I'm gonna speak as from a veteran and a disabled veteran during the Vietnam conflict, I have a problem with that. So what, 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 what do you think he's gonna be uh, remembered? What's he gonna go down as? Uh, what, what are people gonna say about him? Well, in, in one perspective I have is that he, he's, he, he'll go down history. He, he's made his mark on history already. He will go down in history. Um, how it'll play out may depend on what happens in the next, you know, in, 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 the, in the next few weeks. His, 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 he's had policy-related legacies in terms of deregulation, tax reform, and changes in the, in the judiciary and the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court changes are basically for 30 years. They're, they're, they're that level of, of effectiveness in terms of, in terms of changing the, the yeah. report. He, 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 he certain, in terms of his you know, reputation, you, can, you need to pick the right adjective in terms of how to define his, you know, his character. I mean, for, 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 some, for some people, he will go down as one of the most despicable presidents in American history. For others, he may, he may go down as a, in a more favorable way, given, given the way his base has, you know, has, has, has looked at him. The yeah. irony here is that when he was elect, elected, and even with the without knowing that the pandemic was was coming, he had an opportunity to be a, an effective and even potentially great president along the lines of, you know, the way Ronald Reagan has been perceived, and the the pandemic was an opportunity to for for that to be his great war that where he could lead the nation uh, through it, and you know, had he had he had he taken that approach, attempted to unify the nation, told his, its base. It, need, it needed to do what it needed to do as well to deal with the pandemic. We'd be in, for one, we'd be in better shape. For another, he would probably have been reelected. Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree with that. If he had handled the pandemic, if he had gotten out in front of it, uh, I think uh, no question about it, I think he probably would have uh, been reelected. I want to go back to the 72 million and plus uh, supporters. T to me, uh, 72 million people say that I approve of this individual uh, has, has, has a deeper deeper problem for me uh, as to how do we reach those 72 million people and how do we say that they're supporting him because of his policies, they're supporting him for what reason? Uh, underbelly. Well, it, I think I think it's a combination of things, and as, as we as we say in in the social science world, it may it may be over over determined, over defined, but but there are a lot of there are a lot of things going on. Some some of the supporters uh, genuinely like his policies. There are there are people, uh, particularly um, people who are pro life, pro Second Amendment, for whom the courts were very important. Just by virtue of the court appointments, that was enough for for them for him to garner. Their, their support. Uh, for, uh, for, for another, the way he you know, re rejects the politics of the, uh, of the left, the way he rejects identity politics, it's, it's something that 
that his supporters like. And you know, when it, when it comes down to it, there's a question of to what extent they're, they're really voting for him or they're voting for him because they think the opposition is just worse. And, and it's more of a, a, def a defensive kind of thing. And there were, and there were, you know, there, there were a lot of buzzwords thrown around that, that, that scared people. Uh, law, law and order, uh, um, you know, I mean, law and, law, law and order very you know, prominently. The, you know, the term socialism was resurrected in communism and things of that sort. Uh, played out in ways to, to, to make, make people very apprehensive. I think they, I think they were manipulable, manipulable in certain ways. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think those those kinds of things, you know, mattered. And there was, you know, there were certain surprises in the election. Um, the, the problems with the uh, the polling aside, uh, that suggested that that his base is live and well, and he's been made inroads in certain areas, even among um, African Americans, and, and even more so perhaps among Latinos, especially in Florida. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Could you draw any comparisons to between the 2016 general election and the 2020? Uh, I, I, I think they were, I think they were, I think there were a lot of ways basically the same. I think Biden was a better candidate than, than Hillary Clinton. Um, Biden, Biden and his, and uh, well, and, and his supporters within the party and in the, in the grassroots were able to mobilize the base to basically offset the mobilization that occurred among, among, you know, Trump's Republican base, and beyond that, he he basically made inroad he made inroads among uh, white voters in a way that just you know turned the turned the tide and enabled him to win Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. So he he basically there were basically disgruntled Republicans who who basically didn't vote for Trump, uh, and either voting for him or not at all, or for or for a third party. Um, and the, elect the elections were really you know strikingly similar in that respect. Mm -hmm. How about Arizona? <clears throat> the two surprises, the, the two surprises were Arizona and Georgia. Okay, th that 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 represents perhaps a, a, you know, a significant sea change in, in, in the support for, you know for Democrats. Georgia, you know, you know substantially you know, came came through um, in ways that involved mobilizing the normal Democratic base, including African Americans there, but but also also um, better educated white voters, suburban. Mm -hmm. In, the, in those areas, mm -hmm. uh, those, those kinds of voters came, came back to support Biden in, in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania as well. But they made, but Biden made inroads there that that will, will certainly put the Republican Party uh, a bit more on the defensive. Mm -hmm. How do you think Trump's uh, treatment, of, <clears throat> excuse me, um, of uh, Senator McCain did play any role in Arizona, in your opinion? Oh, I, I think it significantly played a role in, in, in Arizona. That was that, that was uh, uh, you know John McCain's revenge, so so to speak. He he got it in terms of his vote on on the uh, um, healthcare reform um, right. efforts and and also here in the in, in the election, both both in terms of the presidential vote and also his Senate seat. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Arizona is by far the one that I was I was watching the, uh, ex extremely close uh, because I uh, such a I'm going to use the word a fan of uh, Senator McCain for so many years I had such admiration from him uh, strictly from you know from from the military and other things that he did in his his career and then I looked at Georgia Georgia also man I I I'm still reeling on the results of Georgia. And the and the efforts 
uh, Abri, uh, what uh, Stacy Abrams, I believe it is, uh, with all of her efforts, and uh, that's been ten years into making. Well, that in a sense, that was Stacy Abrams' revenge over the over her failed you know, gubernatorial. Exactly. And but but it's not over yet. That it's is not over. The, the, the two Senate runoff elections there, where where Stacey Abrams can still have a, a even even bigger effect. It, it is, and uh, and I was going to follow up with that. And uh, it's we look at Georgia and we watch how that played out. We go back and we watch the history and all the uh, get out the vote and all the work that's been done in the past ten years by uh, Stacey Abrams and others. And then we come down to these two Senate seats, going back to Georgia again. And uh, it, it's just like it, it, it couldn't have been scripted any better here. I mean, this thing is going to really, uh, January the 5th is, 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 is going to speak volumes, in my opinion. Your thoughts? Well, it, well, it speaks, it, it speaks volume in, in, in terms of the uh, control of the Senate, which is, which is crucial for the Democrats. That is, if the Republicans maintain control of the Senate, that is going to completely constrain what Biden can do. Uh, kind of, there, 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 some people say there's an upside. The upside for that is that if that happens, Biden won't have to. The, the intra-party politics within the Democratic Party may be toned down a little bit because there, you're going to be because there's only so much Biden is going to be able to do. But on the other hand, this you know if if, if uh, what's what's crucial is in terms of getting his appointments through, he really does need control of the Senate because not only can they stymie legislation, but they can stymie judicial appointments. They can they can stymie cabinet appointments that would really put put the executive branch in, in bad shape. And on top of it all, January 5th is before January 6th. And, and that's when the and that's when the electoral votes go in and, and everything everything is signed, sealed and delivered. Yes. It's the, the amazing of the timing of, 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 of all of this. What do you think about uh, uh, this? It's, it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some assumptions here for a moment. Uh, assuming that uh, the Democrats do not pick up the two Senate seats in Georgia, and uh, and we have so now we got uh, President uh, Biden, Mitch McConnell, or the Progressive going to give him a bigger headache if uh, if the uh, if the Senate is retained by the uh, Republicans. Oh, I, I, well, I think first and foremost, it's, it's McConnell who will give him the headache. In his effort to unify the country, he's got this crisis to deal with. And it's very clear that more aggressive federal action is needed. In fact, in fact, people were begging for it, um, you know, these, 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 these past few months. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just from the standpoint of, of experts, including especially you know, can take conservative economists. A conservative economists have basically said, in order to get the economy back in shape, we need to get we need to control the virus. And you know, look at the Federal Reserve. We're, we're, we're talking about Powell and my you know, you know my my colleague Rich Clarida, who's his his deputy. And you know, these 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 aren't you know fringe leftist economists here. These are mainstream conservative type economists who basically said the Fed has done as as much as it can do, and we really need a federal you know, stimulus here to turn things around. We'll worry about the deficit later. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the stimulus, we, we could talk about uh, 
the why, but in, 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 in my opinion, uh, that's got to be one of the first acts that we got to undertake. We got to get some relief to the American people right now. Uh, I mean, people are so, they're, they're just suffering and, and it's devastating. And I don't know where you saw the lines, but it was heartbreaking to me last night. And I saw a clip, I think it was in Texas, where you had miles and miles and miles of cars of Americans in line to get food. Just heartbreaking. It's, well, it's the economy and, and it's the pandemic also. And in, 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 in terms of how to proceed to kind of unify the country, and put pressure on the Senate. It's got to start with aid in the context of dealing with the virus. That is, the, 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 the virus itself has no politics. The economy has politics attached to it. The virus, much much less so. And you know, the, I mean, the states are hurting. I mean, they're, they're, they're not, it's not just supplies that we're talking about here. We're talking about shortages of personnel and figuring out how to get money and personnel to the places where they're, where they're most needed. And here, and you know, if, if McConnell balks at that, there's got to, there has to be, you know, public pressure. We're talking about pressure from public opinion, uh, poss you know, possibly even you know, demonstrations focusing on, you know, focusing on the on, on the pan on the pandemic. Uh, and th and this should have done this should have been done, you know, basically long ago. This is long overdue. And how Mc how McConnell can, you know, you know, resist this is is is, is really, from my standpoint, unfathomable. I, and I agree. And uh, I often uh, say, go to the mirror and look yourself in the eyes and look yourself in the soul. And how can you how can you do that? And that's where I'm struggling a little bit with McConnell and some of the some of the Republicans, even though uh, uh, Trump's policies has been OK. But just to be able to accept uh, the character of the individual and continue to spread uh, which I think is uh, principle number six in my book when I talk about tolerance and equality, right? Uh, and to continue to thread that uh, or spread that is, 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 is really challenging and disappointing. For well, well, especially you know, given, given that the virus is getting, you know, is striking pretty close to home in the White House. And then the latest breaking report was that Senator Grassley has is, is, is now tested positive. So this, this is all getting, ridic getting ridiculous. Yeah. It, it, it is. So what's the rest of your year look like in 2020 for you, sir? What is the rest of my, my rest of my year with the rest of my year look like is it looks like is well trying to observe and study all of this. But 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 really just from, you know, where the rubber hits the road is just basically you know teaching classes back at the university here in uh, in um, what we what we call you know, in-person high flex mode where, 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 where the, new, the, the, new, the new normal in a classroom is lecturing to, to, in a big classroom with at most 15 students in it, the other students online, you're at a podium wearing a mask and figuring, trying to figure out how to position the camera so everybody can see the blackboard. That's, 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 that's turning into the, to the, to the new normal. Fortunately here at Columbia, things, things seem to be going uh, steadily um, okay so far, but but the, but the, the level of uncertainty really is enormous at the moment. Mm -hmm. With the limited time we have left, what, what's some of the conversation in the class right now? What's some of the students? What, what, what's, what's a typical conversation, if you could share? I'm just curious. Well, well I, 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 teach, I, teach, I teach a graduate seminar on public opinion and political behavior and voting, so we're actually studying this stuff. The thing I've noticed in the classroom also, also in uh, 
talking to other student groups over the last uh, couple of months. Before the election, there, there was a lot of uh, anxiousness and fear. Mm -hmm. um, and, and part of it's the politics that is, that, 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 that is you know, opponents of, you know, more students more likely to be here, at least opponents of Trump rather than, than supporters. Uh, on top of just the, the, the uncertainty about their future and also uncertainty about how to you know, basically get through, the, get through the school year and get through their lives at the moment. Which has been, you know, which has been, for which there's been an enormous upheaval, upheaval for everyone. Yeah. You see any sense of optimism from from your students? Uh, well, I think since the election, there's been the, 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 the climate has changed has changed a, a little bit. But the but the other thing is this, the students are pretty resilient. That is, to right. take classes online, uh, especially and especially these now these are students. These are these are first year. Some of these are first year or one year uh, graduate students right. who are taking who are doing their graduate degrees online this semester. They haven't been to campus yet, and they may not get to campus next semester. They may receive their degrees without ever arriving in New York, which is just stunning. It it, it is stunning. <laughs> I look back on it, and I, back at back in the day when I was doing that. Uh, Oftentimes, I wish I could just have been outside of class and still have been there to do it, but it is done. And, and, and my son graduated from uh, UCLA with his MBA in June, and, uh, and he said, Dad, it's so weird. Uh, I'm, I'm going to my graduation on Zoom, and uh, I, I, I can't walk. And, uh, and he had his undergraduate from UCLA as well, and... Uh, and then uh, went back after a few years for his MBA, which is, you know, it's a big deal as we know. And, uh, and it's happening all across because you work hard for those degrees, as you well know. Well, the only, the only, the, the only thing to be optimistic about is perhaps at some point, all these students will be able to go back, you know, come back, come either come to or come back to the university or for a, uh, a major uh, celebratory moment. Well, we, we, we certainly, I'm an optimist and I think we'll get there. Professor, you are such a pleasure. Uh, the time just flies by and uh, I think on the, uh, on the screen, uh, we got a way for people to reach you if they want to reach out or chat with you. I, I love your insights. Thank you for sharing more time with us. And, uh, and if we don't have it on the screen, can you share it? Well, it's rys3 at columbia.edu. Okay, very good, sir. Respond to all messages. It's good. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and uh, be safe. You too. Thank you again. Bye bye. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Professor Robert Shavira, he is such an insight. The time goes so uh, so rapidly, and uh, we're out of time. So, this is Jim White saying thank you for your time, and we will see you next week. Good night. Thank you for your participation and interest in Healing America with Dr. Jim White. To stay in touch with Jim, go to www.healingamericawithdrjimwhite.com.